Before we get started, a special thank you is in order to our friends over at Stanley Customs. Stanley Customs creates amazing custom sports figurines for all you athletes out there. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off their order and all interviewees will get 25% off of their order simply by going to Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram and telling them that Globally Ballin sent you. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Globally Ballin podcast, a product of the Globally Ballin podcast network we have a fantastic interview for you today so sit back and enjoy and thank you all for joining us one more time here's the music i gotta let you go finish the game with a broken hand yeah finish the game with- i'm rio 2016 silver medalist and asian games 2018 gold medalist young man how do you use a celebrity for good you know, it's, uh, up until that point, most of us as, as athletes were taught how to use a celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, whatever it is. We're hours away from kind of the nearest hospital to end up losing this leg over. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category. Actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint, um, and one of them was just like, "Yeah, get me out." At the same time, there are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough. Don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league or country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. Today's episode is with Reem Mousa. Reem was born in Texas in Cairo with her family and uh, spent a lot of her time growing up uh, there, but eventually, as you'll hear, moved on to live in Texas where she went to high school. And this, along with her successes before she left Egypt, led to her going to Rice University in Texas. And from there is when her career really took off. However, what may be a little bit different for Reem than athletes here is that her story began a little bit earlier as she discusses how she made it to the the junior national team or one of the starting national teams for Egypt and how it's a little bit different there in Egypt versus some of the larger populated countries. And so that's really where it started for her. And she's going to talk about that. But Reem does a great job at giving insight and comparing and contrasting her time in Egypt versus her time in the U.S. She now plays professional basketball in Egypt and she's on the national team for Egypt. Again, like I said, plays professional basketball in Egypt, but played high school and college ball in the United States. So she can compare and contrast that very well. And it's very helpful. So I want to thank Reem for that. Uh, Her time, she's the first one to give us an interview inside women's basketball in Africa in general. Uh, Specifically, she talks about Egypt the most, but she does touch on African basketball in general and how that looks and how that compares and contrasts versus countries that are more highly populated or countries that have higher GDP, which you tend to think would do better in international competitions. And she touches on that really nicely, and I I like that. But but I want to thank Reem for her time. That, That was very insightful and helpful, and so thank you. 
Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by an additional sponsor. We are now also brought to you by Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, right outside of Dallas. You may remember we've had an episode in the past with the founders of Creating Young Minds, Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to help young men achieve success in their life where they may not have otherwise achieved that success. One way they do this is through their new basketball team. The Louisville Yellow Jackets, affiliated with Creating Young Minds, play in TBL, the Basketball League, and through a combination of their nonprofit as well as their basketball team, Creating Young Minds and the Louisville Yellow Jackets are doing their best to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. That is Creating Young Minds. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, basically everywhere. Find creating young minds check them out see what they're all about and when the tbl league rolls around once again keep an eye out for the lewisville yellow jackets thank you to start off let's have you introduce yourself and what you do my name is reem musa and i'm a professional basketball player okay from where originally from egypt okay cairo egypt so how did you get started in basketball um well, actually, I wasn't a huge basketball fan when I was young. I was a gymnast and I was more into individual sports, but my dad was a basketball coach and he got me into it. He just trained me hard. That was He made me fall in love with the game. Awesome. So you went to high school in Cabal, Texas, correct? Yes. Okay. And so at what point did it become clear to you that Rice was interested in you? I actually didn't know anything about like NCAA or like... Okay call the college scholarships or anything like that till my senior year when colleges started talking to me because we moved to the U.S. when halfway through my sophomore year of high school okay yes so and we didn't really know anything about like the western culture Mm. and basketball in the U.S. and all that like I was just playing because I like playing so at that point you, you were playing basketball in Egypt before that though right yes I had started when I was about 12 or 13 and I moved to the us when i was 15 okay and so up until that point again you were playing all throughout your your growing up in egypt as well and then come over here and wrap up high school playing basketball and get noticed by schools like rice who else were you getting calls from i got the, the first team that recruited me was Western Kentucky and then just had a couple Florida teams. Those are like the main Division One teams. Okay. And what made you go with Rice? Close to home? It wasn't really that close, but <laughs> it was, I mean, everybody that I talked to, like whenever I told them my options, it was a no-brainer for everybody. They were like, that's not even a choice. You have to go to Rice. Okay. Academically, basketball-wise, everything. Okay. And so had you been in Egypt, would you have been able to get the attention of colleges in the U.S. So we have that sometimes where athletes are playing all their high school and everything from a different country where they where they're originally from, but they're able to get that attention. Is that something that can happen for female basketball players in, in Egypt, or do you think you got to Rice because you were in Texas at the time? I mean, I'm sure it definitely helped, but actually the coach recruited me from my national team games. Okay. So it was because of me playing with Egypt. Okay. And when did that start? Playing for the national team? Yeah. Well, at what point were you on the national team for Egypt? I started in, I think my first championship was in 2009. Okay. And, yeah. It and, was it was juniors, not the women's 
Okay, okay. And how old would you have been then playing in 2009? I was 15. Okay, all right. Okay, so you started then about 15 playing the national team. How did you get the attention of a national team? How does that happen? Were you at like, do you go to like national camps when you're younger, younger? Or do they see you in high school playing? Or how does that come about? It's simpler in Egypt because Egypt is not as big of a country as the U.S. Yeah, so in Egypt, it's the, the system is different. We don't have sports and schools like in the u.s but they do they have clubs Mm. so if you're interested in playing sports you have to go to be a part of a club okay and so So at that point you get noticed yeah and that club that's where you're getting noticed by (laughs) by a national team yeah so every there's there's about maybe like 12 top teams Okay. That most national team coaches look mm-hmm. at to pick up players and you go through tryouts and all that, just like regular um, national team process. Okay. Let's hear about, a little bit about your experiences at Rice. How was that? How was that change playing in college, female or women's college ball here in the U.S.? It was life changing for me. Uh, I learned a lot. I think like the transformation of how I was as a player and as a person mm-hmm. before and after is like amazing. I would didn't have traded this experience for anything. I learned a lot. I was actually majoring in electrical engineering at the same time with basketball. So it taught me a lot about life. Yeah. Okay. And were you there all four years playing all four years? Yes. Okay. At what point did you become professional? Professional. So when you're playing clubs in Egypt, you're not getting paid, right? The ones that helped you get recruited by the national team. There was no payment involved for those teams, were there? No, no. In Egypt, you don't get paid unless, until you get to the women's team. So okay. before I left, I was only like 13, 14. Mm. I was on the juniors team. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then you... So it was after Rice. Okay, after Rice, and then you get... But now you're playing professional too, correct? Yes. And who's that with? I actually, right now, I signed in Egypt with a club called Smuha Club. Mm-hmm. It's in Alexandria, in Egypt. Okay, and is that your first team you're playing with? In Egypt? Yeah, uh, yeah, your first professional team in Egypt? No. Who would you play with before that? I played with Al Ahli. Okay, is that the same league? Is there one league then in, in Egypt for women's basketball? There are a couple, but it's only one top league or like one professionally mm, okay and so that's obviously the one that that you're all shooting for what does the current state of women's basketball look like in egypt as far as opportunities go as far as reimbursements for playing stuff like that what is the state of basketball for women there i have the past a couple months i've been traveling to africa a lot because of the african championship and i've seen how it is in africa so if i'm comparing it to the entire world i'm gonna say we're right in the middle okay as far as egypt or africa as far as Egypt. Okay. Okay. Because I've seen, like, when I was in Uganda and Senegal, they, like, the opportunities there are not, or the facilities in general or anything like that, it's not as available as it is in Egypt. But at the same time, before I had been there, I've always said that Egypt is not as advanced mm. because I was in the U.S. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, but it's it, it depends on your perspective. And so is there, as far as opportunities go, do you get foreign players in that league in Egypt or is it mostly Egypt national? No, we get one import okay. for every team, yeah. Okay, and where's yours from? She's from the U.S. Okay, okay, so you do you are bringing in imports, and then there's a rule. So yeah, obviously some leagues have that import rule. Some it's limitless, but Egypt. Okay, are there other countries in um, Africa that have a women's league? Yeah, of course. I think 
most of the teams that play national, like the national championships, they have teams. So, like let's say Angola, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Senegal for sure, and Nigeria. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of African te- countries that have women's leagues. Oh, the different leagues. Okay. And so, in general, the the opportunities for female basketball players in Egypt is available and sufficient. You'd say to stay in Egypt. Yeah, I, I'd say so, but. I think the only problem is in the past it hasn't been as professional, sure. like payment wise, and so you can't really take it up as your professional job. So most most women would mm. work beside playing. Even during the season, they have to get a second job, or just outside of the season. Yeah, no, like during the season. Oh. Okay. Because the yeah, because the payments are not that much, but it's getting a lot better now. Okay. And we want it to get better and better. But. Can you give me an idea of how much we're talking then? So let's say some girls could get maybe two thousand, three thousand oh. dollars a year. Okay, and that's the top end. Yeah, it's not the top, but I'm just this like the average. Sure. Okay, two to three, maybe a year. And how long is that season? Like eight months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So definitely not the numbers that we'll see from other areas, but still getting paid. So they are required, like you said, they're required for the most part. They got to get a second job of some kind. Is housing yeah, usually not, provided it, for imports? For imports, yes. Okay. How does a a young professional female basketball player prepare for the future, at least financially? Like, what's the plan to do okay, afterwards? Okay. All right. I gotta okay, so the number that I just gave you was for locals, not for imports. Oh, okay, okay. So you had different yes, numbers for imports. So like imports, yeah, no, imports get about two to three thousand a month, not a year. Whoa, okay. Yes, exactly. Oh so it's a huge difference. That's a way different. Okay. Um yes. so that is a significant difference as far as opportunities for import players. Wow, that is very different. Yes. And then that that completely flips everything and that becomes some of the highest numbers we've seen for imports in in female basketball. Okay. Yes. How then does the young professional female basketball player prepare for the future as far as financially? You know, what steps obviously you don't play basketball your whole life. What steps mm-hmm. have to be taken to make sure that you're ready for when basketball's over? For me personally, like I have been thinking about that since I started college. That's one of the reasons why I majored in electrical engineering. Mm. I think it's a good base to be able to do whatever you want later. Sure. Yeah, I also minored in business. I have my teacher certificate. I I have (laughs) a lot of paths. Yeah, I've made a lot of paths that I could take whenever I want, basically. Okay, so that's, that is very important. And I think also it helps playing in a league that almost kind of forces you to have another job. I would think that keeps you out there and keeping in mind that the career after basketball is going to be very important. So I'm sure that helps in a way. But yeah, it sounds like you're pretty well set getting all those degrees while you're at Rice. For me personally, I haven't, I haven't been working and playing at the same time. Like okay. I, since I graduated, I've been playing only. Okay. So, yeah, but I was talking about like women here in Egypt because the past couple of years I've been in Europe. Yep. I haven't been in Egypt. And where were you playing? What countries were you playing in, in Europe? I played in Portugal and I played in the Czech Republic. Okay. Which one did you like better? I mean, they both had their pros and cons, but basketball wise, the Czech Republic had a better league. Okay. Yeah. And we'd like to ask that because we'll have athletes themselves listen and they always like to hear what, what, what the players think and which ones they enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So you won the African Cup. Talk about that experience. What was the fandom like? That it's one of the greatest moments in my life because <laughs> we were the first team to ever do that. Yes, the first one. And actually, we're not just the first. Till now, we're the only. <laughs> yes, yes. 
which is so, cool. it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. And actually for me, it was extra special because that team, they were players who were born in 1992 and 1993, but I was born in 1994. Okay. So it wasn't really my team, but I was with them and sure. I got to play with all the older players. They weren't that much older, but like at that time, you know, like I was 16 and they were 18. Yeah. So it, it was an amazing experience. And so who did you guys beat in the finals? Nigeria by one point. Nigeria by one. And this was yeah. when? That was in 2010. What about the, didn't you guys just have a cup too in Africa as well? We played the African championship, yeah, but we didn't do so well. How did that go? I think it was a good experience because for me, it was the first time to play on the women's team. I've always been been with the juniors. Sure. And who did you guys, who, who did you lose to? We lost to Senegal okay. and Angola. We beat Cameroon and Cote d'Ivoire. Who is kind of the favorite for women's basketball in Africa? The top two teams always are Nigeria and Senegal. Okay. How does Egypt usually stand? Well, here's the thing. Like the Nigerian team, especially, they have the whole roster. So 12 players that are basically Americans. Okay. What do you mean by basically Americans? As in they are? They, they, like, yeah, they were born and raised and played there for at like top Division One teams, and they live there. Like they go sure. to the national team. They bring them from the U.S. You know, like mm-hmm. they're not. I wouldn't say like they are Nigerians, but they aren't locals. Like they don't play in the Nigerian league. Yeah. Or so I think that experience is a lot different, and that's why they're at a very high level of basketball. Yeah, they handled. I'm looking at the scores now. They handled who they played. Beat Congo Everybody. by thirty. Malai by. 40, Senegal by five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's definitely a very big difference. And is that an automatic qualifier for the Olympics? Nigeria will be in then? No, actually this year there is no automatic qualifications. Okay. You have to go through a whole process where like African championship, the top six teams go play in another qualifications tournament. And then the top two teams from that tournament go play in the world qualification tournament. (laughs) It's a whole process. Were you one of the top six? or not did you make top six no no yeah. that was we oh, were that seventh was cool. we were seventh yeah oh, just under so close oh man that is it's too bad yeah. so one interesting question i have is that the the suggestion is that teams that win tournaments like this like when it goes regionally are the ones with either the highest population so the most people of pool pool of people to pick from or the highest gdp the best economy in the area and so because in theory they can afford to train players better and better and they can afford better equipment and stuff like that. That's at least the idea. But Af- or Egypt, I believe, has the highest in Africa. What do you think about I, that? I think that is, like, could, you could use that, like, in maybe, like, higher level. Not higher level, but, like, like in Africa, Africa is a poor country, you know? Yeah. Or poor continent sure. in general. So it's hard to to have that concept in it because it's different in every country. Like every country takes something and holds on to it. So most, maybe like Nigeria and Senegal and stuff like they take sports and they they use it as their getaway or mm-hmm. they they like to take it personally and want to be something big in it. You know, in Egypt, sports is not as big. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that was very well said. And so Nigeria. So yeah, we could have, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean Nigeria as Nigeria, but like I, just an example. I don't yeah, know sure, exactly sure, sure. which country that we could pick, but yeah, Egypt could be more has has a higher population, better economy, but they don't really care about sport. Mm, yeah, and compared think... to another country that has less is less populated and their economy is not that good, but sports to them is huge. Sure, I mean Mozambique was in the semis, wasn't weren't they? Or they were close. They got like yes. third, I think. Yeah, they're they're always yeah they're always in the semis. They got fourth. Right, and so and that's an example right there of exactly what you were talking about, and they're very mm-hmm. far down as far as as that goes and so i think you pointed that out very very well i think that's an easy misconception that the richest countries do the best that's not always true it depends on you know the the energy and effort and 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 love for the sport and how they use the sport i love how you said that nigeria or your example of yeah, nigeria using exactly. it as an escape i think that's really important really mm-hmm. really clear some of that up Let's see. I, I guess it was just anything else that you needed to add or wanted to add for the young female athletes listening, both in Africa and outside of Africa. I would I would assume they'd have two different. The messages for them might be a little bit different. I, I don't know, but anything for them. I mean, I think a general message would be to not let anyone tell you that you can't, okay. because that's just the world we live in. Every, especially for female athletes, like they always say, "Nah, you can't do that. You can't." or for me as well like everything I've done it was always like played down mm-hmm. or no nah, that's too hard you're Egyptian you can't go play overseas you're Egyptian you and a female you know it's just like mm-hmm. but I think if you let that decide for you then you're never gonna go anywhere sure if you stay persistent with your goal your mindset and Go after what you want. You will get there Have no you, matter what anybody says. Did you experience any different levels of the telling you you can't do certain things depending on where you were? I mean, I start like how I started my life. It was it was like that. I mean, I learned that from my dad because when I started sports, I was a gymnast. And the first thing the coach told my dad was she's she's not going to be good. Like if you want her to do gymnastics, she can do it for a little bit, but it's better to quit and start something else because she's not going to be good. And then my dad took it personally and he trained me like day and night every day. I didn't go to school. I was homeschooled before that, like because of that. And in a year, I became like the number one in Egypt by far, not just the number one in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) So it it just like that's that's what I learned. Like, that's what I learned. And I cherish that a lot because without it, I wouldn't be anywhere that where I like where I'm at right now. Absolutely. Yeah, because everything I do, people always people always doubt you like anything, anything you try to do. If you're aiming high, everybody will doubt you. Awesome. That's great. That's perfect. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate that. I know you're busy and it's great to hear from you. And um, you offer an interesting perspective. The first women's basketball athlete we've had and first from or from Africa too. So that's pretty pretty awesome and helpful. Oh, thank you for having me. And I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to just talk about the different perspectives and basketball and sports in general. Absolutely. Thank you.
So I hope you enjoyed listening to that. There's a couple of points I want to kind of reestablish here for a second that I really enjoyed. One was talk about what elements lead to a successful international sports team. Specifically, we're talking about basketball and the women's team and how Egypt is highly populated. As of 2017, eighth in GDP per capita. And yet, countries that they lost to in these international games and competitions were far lower. Not all of them, but some of them were, were far, far lower. Nigeria, who won one is 17th in Africa uh, for GDP per capita. So it definitely, definitely questions the whole idea of, well, just because a country's wealthy or even just because they're highly populated, are they going to be automatically successful in international competition? And I think Reem did a great job at talking about how really big part of that is the mentality of the country and how into it they are and, if, and the support that the country gives. If you go back and listen to the interview I did with uh, the interview about the Southeast Asian Games and we talked talk briefly about funding. And I think funding is a huge part of that. And we talk about that a little bit with Heidel and Diaz too uh, in that interview. And uh, funding plays a big role. And funding signifies how much the government is going all in on, on a sport. And so if, if funding's lower, if um, fan base energy is lower, if a country is just not all in on a sport or, or they more diversify or whatever, there's so many different factors that go into play that are going to um, make a huge difference in whether or not uh, your team's towards the top or your country's towards the top, bottom, or middle when it comes to a sport and international competitions. If you'd ask somebody blindly who would be the top, it would make sense that their guess would be something like Egypt, um, just based on their GDP per capita and their and their um, and their population. But again, there's a lot of different contributions that go to that. And Reem did a great job discussing that. The other part I find really important because it's not really anything we've had before. Uh, Reem discussed the very real situation that some athletes have, wherein they have to have a second job even during the season. Um, we'll get that as we move on with other interviews, and we'll have different situations where that is the case. Uh, but it's not as commonly talked about because unlike what we do at Globally Ball and most of those athletes don't get interviewed big time, but that's a big part of the story and that's really important to hear. And so we really want to make sure that, that we're outlining that part of their life and that um, Reem said she never had to, but there's definitely athletes that did and do have to do that. Um, and so that's a big part of uh, an athlete's life depending on a lot of things, the league um, and the sport and the country and all of that will, will change. But the better you get and the higher you move up in the ladder, the less and less likely that's going to be. And um, as far as an import goes, that's that's not necessarily the case. Now, you might need to work on the off season. We'll hear in our next, actually our next week's episode is the import from Reem's team, which will be a great insight and in what it's like, like what Reem was talking about, but from an import's perspective. So I'm excited for that one. That'll be a good one too. But that's really important is that some of these situations players do need to go and have another job not just in the off season but during the year you're talking about two three thousand dollars in a year in an eight month season you're definitely going to need to find something else uh, to go with that and that's going to create an incredibly busy life and are really going to wean out the dedication that player will have to the game it also speaks to the success of a league in some way and you know the more money a league's making the more money they can afford to pay their players and the more they pay their players the less likely it's going to be for them to have to work during the season and uh, Reem said that it's changing and, and money is going up, but it does suggest that support for a league. This one is a little bit lower, although we'll, we'll see as that grows and changes the differences that are made. But when players not just choose to, but feel the need that they have to work mid-season, it suggests that the money coming in is not nearly high enough And so compared to other opportunities. However, as Africa as a continent continues to grow in the international spotlight with the growth of teams like Malai 
guy that we saw in the men's FIBA Cup. We'll continue to watch and see how that develops. And nonetheless, opportunities are out there, especially as an import when we get to our next week's episode. As an import, there's plenty of opportunities out there, including Africa. And so continue to listen, continue to do your research, where you want to be, what you want to do, what your life's going to look like during and outside of basketball. But I think Reem did a great job, fantastic job at giving us a realistic and important view on what it's like playing basketball in Egypt as an Egyptian national, not as an import, but an Egyptian national. So that was fantastic. I thank Reem again for her time. I look forward to keeping an eye on the league and seeing how it grows and develops. And again, yeah, I just want to thank Reem for her time and her participation and help and insight for all you listeners out there. So thank you. Thank you all for making it through another episode. A couple things I got a quick run through and then we'll be done. Uh, First, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on our different key platforms. Uh, First, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin. Also, Instagram, uh, at globallyballinofficial, and then Twitter, at globallyballin. The Instagram and Twitter are by far our most active, and they're also very different content. They're actually run by different people. So go ahead and make sure you're following both of those, and they'll also both alert you for when something new is posted either in the podcast or Patreon, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. Also, um, when it comes to the Facebook account, the Facebook account seems um, less active, and we're aware of that. It's different kind of content and more is coming to the Facebook page. So you'll want to like it to make sure you're ready when a new wave of different content, which is coming soon, starts to make its way on there, which is exciting. Uh, Finally, though, is the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and then you search globally ball and you're going to find our account $3 a month. And with that, you're going to get a, a couple of things. First, shout out to all the supporters, which is great, which is actually also really good for any of you athletes out there it's a great way to get your name your brand your place where people can find your highlight tapes all that stuff that'll be plugged in our episodes which is great so if you become a patron um, for the three dollars a month you'll get that in addition though what we're really kind of excited about not that we're not excited about the other one is that you're gonna get a bunch of extra content it's gonna be different from when i originally recorded this to when you're listening to this now we're gonna keep adding to it Uh, There's a lot of different stuff. It might just be extra stuff that didn't fit into an episode. And there's also a whole new um, different kind of content called Candid Conversations, which is basically a whole new show that we started. As the name suggests, it's a conversation between me and somebody else. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit into an episode. And if you go check out one of those Candid Conversations, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that $3 a month, you're going to get your shout out and your... um, your help to support your brand or get attention to your highlight reel or whatever, plus a lot of extra detailed, fun content in addition to this free podcast. So go and check that out. Refresher, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin, Instagram at globallyballinofficial, Twitter at globallyballin, and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash, or patreon.com search globally balling and you'll find do the three dollar a month patron if you're interested and get all new content a bunch of additional content uh if that's not for you totally fine we still really appreciate you supporting and listening uh if you have any suggestions make sure you send us a message again because we're most active on instagram and twitter that's the best way to send us a suggestion we'd be happy to listen and um and try to get anybody in that area and that sport, that country, that topic that'll help you best. So make sure you send us one of those requests. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. You'll hear from us again uh, next week.